0: So, the Bible says right there in Isaiah 53, 5, that it's with His wounds we are healed. There's a lot of ways you can be wounded. What are your wounds? Isaiah 53, 4 talks about the different ways that we can be wounded by using two words. One is the word griefs. The word griefs is not just grieving, the act of grieving, but griefs is all the different ways that you can suffer a loss in life that brings you to a point of despondency, sorrows. That word is not just the act of being sorrowful, but it talks about all the different things that you can go through in life that brings you into sorrow. And as many people as we have in this room, I bet there is quite a catalog of ways that you can be wounded. How are you wounded? Griefs, sorrows, wounds. Did somebody do you wrong? Betrayed you? Rejected you? Heaven forbid they abused you. Is you make a decision, and man, that decision, it, just, it has brought consequences into your life. And boy, you feel like I have paid a price for that. When's it going to end? Maybe it's a health issue that you're going through. You've got a physical wound. You're suffering from a disease. You have a diagnosis that changed the rest of your life. There's a lot of ways we can be wounded. And we all know the truth of this next statement as well. Wounds hurt. So, how'd you deal with the hurt? Because whenever someone's wounded, we go immediately to start dealing with the hurt because none of us want to hurt. Man, we want somehow to ease the pain. And so, whatever that wound is, you got a variety of ways that you got to rush and try to to deal with the hurt. There's unhealthy ways that we deal with the hurt. Maybe you turn to alcohol. Maybe you start popping pills. Maybe you start smoking pot. Just want to ease the pain. Some of us said, man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to just work. And I'm going to prove to everybody that I can do this, even if it costs you everything else, even if it costs you everyone else. Thursday nights, we have a great thing for people with hurt habits, and hangups, which is every single one of us. It's called Celebrate Recovery. And we say often to celebrate recovery, hurt people, hurt people. So, whenever you were hurting, did you hurt someone? Here's my question How'd that make you feel? Did it make the wound go away? I would venture to say it probably brought about more griefs and more sorrows. It probably caused more wounds. And that's unfortunately something that we tend to do as well. Sometimes whenever we are wounded, we make choices that bring forth more pain and more wounds. There are healthy ways that you can deal with wounds, man. Sometimes you just you give it time. You you know, you just I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get over this. Sometimes you go to counseling. Maybe sometimes you pray through something. Maybe you know, you you've go through some steps way. There's a lot of healthy things that you can do. But I think we would all agree with this. No matter whether it's healthy or unhealthy, when you, when you kind of give it enough time, there's a very human experience that there's something of the wound and there's something of the pain that just, it never goes away. It's just always still there. And sometimes you wind up exactly where you started out. Andy Cook is a pastor. He wrote a book, tells a cool little story that I think illustrates this point. It's kind of not a true story. It's kind of like a parable. But He explains it like this. He says there's a soldier that was wounded in battle. And he finds the nearest military hospital. He makes his way there, and he wheels himself through the front door. And he comes up to two doors. And above one door, it says, major wounds. By the other door, it says, it says not serious, non-serious wounds. And he thought, well, gosh, man, my wounds are serious to me, right? So he wheels himself in that serious wound side. And when he goes through that door, he finds a really long hall. And so he wheels himself down that hall. And he gets to the end of that hall. And above one door, it says officers. And in another door, it says enlisted men. And he goes, well, I'm, I'm an enlisted man. So he wheels himself in there and he finds a really long hall there. So he wheels himself down to the end of that hall. And at the end of that hall, he, he sees ranks, sergeants, privates. He goes, dude, I'm just a private. So he makes his way through there. He goes through that door and finds himself right back out on the street. And that's the way it goes, isn't it? Sometimes you go through all the doors, you follow all the signs, you go through all the steps, and you find yourself right back where you started. And sometimes you do all that you know to do, and the wounds only get worse. What are you supposed to do? Because we all know two realities in the world that we live in. The first one is this you can if you've been wounded before, it's not that you can be wounded again, you will be wounded again. We live in a vicious, broken world. And we all know, man, you can get over one wound only to turn around for something else to happen, somebody else to do it again. And it hurts even worse the next time than it did the first time. We all know we live in a very messed up world. And the other thing we all know is this. We are all wounded, but none of us are innocent. Now, you may not have caused the wound that brought to your mind in the first place. But have you ever sinned? Yeah. Have you ever made a bad decision? Sure. None of us are innocent. And so we know that we make choices in this world that's messed up, but we're also contributors to a world that's messed up. And so the Bible kind of explains it like this. Verse 6, he says, let me help you to understand the situation you're in by drawing your attention to something that's true about sheep. He says, all we like sheep, verse 6, have gone astray. And you've probably heard how dumb and defenseless sheep are, right? Anytime you preach about sheep, you talk about just how goofy they are and they have no defense mechanisms and, you know, When they go astray, the longer they're out there stranded and lost, the more danger they're in. And so I did what everybody does to educate yourself on things. I googled it. And I actually found a blog written by a shepherd And and I was asking the question, why do sheep go, do they really all go astray? Or is the Bible just exaggerating this? Hey, guess what? They really do, all kind of go astray. Do you know why the number one reason sheep go astray is? You ready for this? Here it is fear. They're skittish. Man, any little thing, any little predator, any little noise, they stop and they just take off running. And here's the goofy thing about sheep when one starts running, they're herd animals. They'll all kind of start running, right? So one starts running, they all just, all right. And they just, you know, they start running too, right? They don't know why. They don't ask any questions. They don't take a look around and go, is there a really? And they just do, they just, they're sheep. So Shannon comes to me, my wife, a couple weeks ago, and she says, hey, I got this video. You got to see this. You're going to use this in a sermon one day. Today's the day, y'all, right? watch this 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 illustrates the point so perfectly so you got the little lamb he's stuck down in the ditch right so here comes the shepherd and he's gonna help him out now here's something you need to know about sheep too they have really bad eyesight right yeah right back in there baby <laughs> isn't that awesome right that dude it's just like come on man So he's going to go down there and dig him out again. But just in case you need an instant replay. (laughs) That's classic, isn't it? That is about the most sheep thing ever right there, right? You know what the Bible says, though, in verse 6? The Bible says that's the most human thing ever. He says, all we like sheep. Have gone astray. We run out of fear. We don't make good decisions. We jump right back in the ditch that the shepherd just got us out of. We all get lost. So here comes Jesus. And there's a story of Jesus in Luke chapter 15 where he's sitting around a table. And man, you got like prostitutes, you got tax collectors, you got drug addicts, you got everybody's society criticizes and hates and Jesus. And all these religious people are standing over there and going, hey, now, look, if you are really a Messiah, if you're really a prophet, if you're really a religious man, you know who these people are and you wouldn't be associating yourself with them. And Jesus says, let me tell you why I'm sitting here. And he starts to tell a story about lost sheep. He says a man has a hundred sheep and he's lost one of them. He leaves the 99, goes after the one. And when he finds it, he he puts it up on his shoulders and he, he carries it. And when he gets it back, he's not just glad he got it back. Man, he invites all the neighbors to come and rejoice. And he says, man, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. He says, The reason I'm sitting here is because I came after the lost. He's not talking about sheep, he's talking about people. So here he comes. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he gets acquainted, right? He gets acquainted with our grief. He's a, a man of sorrows, verse 3, and acquainted with grief. It, He starts to see the ways we hurt, right? There's there's a story of a man who has a a son who's just infested with evil spirits. And he says he convulses himself. He throws himself in the fire. He's desperate for him to be healed. There's another man who's got a daughter who's dying and he so wants Jesus to come and heal her. And then there's a woman who, they throw her at Jesus' feet. We took her in the very act of adultery. What are you going to do to her? The Bible says that she goes from one man to another man to another man to another man. She is the epitome of the sheep coming out of the ditch and jumping right back into it. So he gets acquainted with the ways that we hurt ourselves. He sees the sorrows. He experiences the griefs. But it's not just that he's around it. It happens to him. He's rejected Right? The the word there, he's he's rejected by men. We saw, and man, they, they criticize him for the things he does, for the things that he says. His own people begin to reject him, and then we know what happens in the story. He's betrayed by one of his own, put up on a false trial that's completely void of truth. No facts, no evidence should stand, and yet they convict Him in the middle of the night. They nail Him to the cross, which is the most awful way in human history that a person can die. And there He is dying on the cross for our sins. And you've got to understand the depth of his woundedness in this. It's not only the rejection he's going through, that man, if you read through Isaiah 53, all the words are there, stricken, smitten, afflicted, pierced, crushed, chastened, oppressed, afflicted, slaughtered. That's the depth of his woundedness. Wow. Now, it's Easter, right? So Friday is the day that we commemorate the death of Christ. And we've probably all seen a picture of Jesus on the cross. So I want you to kind of frame that in your mind. And I want to offer you a question. Okay, here it is. When you see Jesus on the cross... How do you interpret that? What goes through your mind? There's a lot of things there. A lot of things there. And in Isaiah 53, he kind of talks about the way that we interpret it. Verse 4 says, We esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now, there's one thing about seeing Jesus on the cross, man, you can appreciate the suffering of it, man, the, the agony, it's an agonizing picture. It's, it's bloody, it's violent, it's brutal. And you can look at that and go, man, the way he suffered, I, I get it, boy, just, I, man, that's, wow. Suffering, it's one way to look at it, esteem him stricken. Rejected. There's one way you can look at that picture and go, dude, I'll tell you, that's what happens to you when you stick your nose in people's business. People that love you, that's what they'll do to you. They'll reject you. They'll turn their back on you. When you need them, they'll all run. You see that in the picture too. The apostles aren't there. They've scattered. So there's a sense you look at the crucifixion and you you sense the rejection. But boy, this one right here, you ready? Smitten by God. You ever been mad at God? You ever get hurt? And then you look up into heaven and you go, Why? Why? Why'd you do this to me? Why do you allow this to me? Why don't you fix this for me? Why? Smitten by God. There's anger. You know what? That's exactly what God will do to you, man. That is so God right there. Smitten by God. So you see the pain and the agony, you see the rejection, and man, you see this, just the crux of human misery, of wanting to know that there's a God who loves us, but existing in a world that's so evil. And you wonder where God go? You see all that in the crucifixion. But that's not all that's there. You got to see one more thing to really get what's going on. So he says, we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but... Now it gets real personal. You ready? It says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed... For our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, unless you see yourself in the picture, you really don't understand what's going on there. Because here, here's the thing about it. Jesus is not a victim of anything. He said, I lay my life down. And I promise you this, He's sure not a sinner. He's the perfect Son of God. And I will to tell you why He's not there. He's not there because life stinks. He's there because you and I need a sacrifice. It's personal. It's not just suffering. It's not just rejection. It's not just being despised by God. He's suffering for me, and He's suffering for you, which brings a depth into that word. By His wounds, we are healed because whenever we are wounded, we go after the hurt, right? Man, I don't want it to hurt anymore. I want to ease the pain. I smoke the pot. I pop the pills. I do the work. I took the steps, and I found myself right back out here on the street. Jesus says, I'm not, listen, I'm not just going after the pain, and I've got a newsflash for you. You may know Jesus, and boy, you can still really hurt. Doesn't say he goes after our hurt, man. He's going after our healing. And that word's really interesting because it brings about two things in that word. One is this. The word heal means he's not going after the hurt, man. He's going after the cause. Why? Why do you keep getting out of the ditch and jumping right back into it? Can you not see what's there? But I want to tell you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you go through life and jumping in and out of the ditch, in a d- you'll do it the rest of your life. All, we're just like sheep, y'all. But you'll do it. It'll be so different for you. Man, he shepherds you. He leads you by his word. He convicts you by, your, by his spirit. And for the rest of your life, he'll be working this process in you called sanctification where he's cleaning up all that I jump right back in the ditch stuff. You're going to struggle with it the rest of your life, but it's going to be very, very different because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God is inside of you. The Word of God hits you in a different way. Man, He's working in you. He's leading you. He's shepherding you. So He goes after the cause, and He'll work on that the rest of your life. But here's the second thing. He doesn't just go after the hurt in our healing. He goes after the cure. All right. We all like a good vacation, right? We just spent spring break and some of y'all went and got and Now you're back. And it was awesome, right? Man, it's, it's great to get to go to a different place, isn't it? Where things are not the same. Let me ask you this. Would you like to go to a place where there's no more wounds? Would you like to live in a world where there's no more hurt? Wow. Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He'll dwell with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. No more griefs. Neither shall there be mourning, sorrow is erased, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. That sounds pretty awesome. And the one who seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things." New, And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I want to tell you what the resurrection brings you, man. It brings you the possibility of a new heaven and a new earth because he has conquered sin, he has conquered death, and they will be no more. And he is creating a world the way he intended it to be in the beginning. No wounds, no sin, no hurt. Why? Because there's no sinners there. (laughs) The new heaven and new earth is pretty awesome, right? That's where you want to go? Well, let me show you where you don't want to go. The reason that place is going to be so awesome is because, listen to this. He says, the one who conquers will have this heritage. I'll be God and he'll be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is an easy question. Where do you want to go? Here's a the reality there are two eternal things in this world. You know what they are? The Word of God and you. You're going to live forever. Is it going to be in the new heaven and the new earth with the conquered Christ, or will it be in the lake of fire? And here's the thing, y'all. If that sacrifice is only suffering, if it's only rejection, if it's only questions we have about God, and at some point it doesn't get personal, he's there for my transgressions, my iniquities. Listen to me. All you'll do if you reject that is you'll go into eternity wounded. And it'll never be healed. (sighs) You'll deal with the pain in this life. You'll try not to hurt as bad as you hurt. But I'm going to tell you, if you go into eternity wounded, especially if you go into eternity knowing you are here today, and you had an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you rejected it, I can't think of a worse hell than that. So where do you want to go? We're all wounded. But by His wounds, this is why it's different. He doesn't just deal with the hurt. By His wounds, we're healed. He changes our life now, and He changes our life forever. Yeah, you're still going to live in a wounded world for a while, but I going to tell you, man, He's going to bring you to a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be just perfect. And we'll be with Him forever. If you repent of sin and turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you see in that story not just the hurt and the pain, but, man, you see yourself, that He died for me and you. So I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment. So let's do this. If you say, Brian, man, I I want to be saved, man. I I hurt and I'm wounded, but man, I really need this ultimate healing that's going to come about through Jesus Christ. And, And you're ready to give your life to Christ. I want to encourage you to pray right now. Something like this, Lord Jesus, please save me. Forgive me of my sin. I realize that I've turned my back on you. And I'm wounded. Lord Jesus, I ask you to save me. Forgive me of my sin. Give me your Holy Spirit. Come alive in me. I repent and I want to follow you the rest of my life.